0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. I want to just take a few moments and uh, share a few comments that I have. And... um, not going to take long so if you would just lend me your attention. Uh, I was thinking about today and what it actually means and just listening to some of the media that we hear and what we're exposed to and the world basically has its view of Christmas and and I've always said and I really mean it, you know, uh, our view of Christmas is not the world's view of Christmas and, and I believe we understand that. Um, but it's, it's what people is told. It's what the world is told that I believe that um, I've even heard that people's stress level goes up. People in the world, their stress level goes up this time of year. And I believe it's, it's because of an image that is set forth of something that they need, um, they need to uh, be, so to speak, It's just, you know, they hear that it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. Everybody is supposed to be nice and joyful and happy. But all they're getting is just a drop of truth. Yes, Jesus was born. But when we celebrate Christmas as a church, we're not celebrating his birth, we celebrate the man. For this is not about the birth, the birth was over and done in a matter of moments. As the world, all they're going to hear is all they will do is go as far as a birth. Yes, Jesus was born, but when you reach that nugget of truth, we will proceed no further. So what the world hears and tells people, you must be nice. When they see a movie on TV, it's the perfect family. Everybody is happy. Everything works out. But in reality, you've got to wake up. Their lives is a mess, everything is undone, and I'm supposed to be happy at this time of year? You tell me how I'm supposed to be happy. And what it does, it has a reverse effect. It makes them even more angry towards the church because all they're told is this drop of truth that all of a sudden they believe their troubles is on this Jesus that they hear being portrayed that's why it's so much more involved than just the birth of our Lord. It's hearing about someone that was just born, yes, but someone who lived and died and made available to us his body as being our Passover lamb and just lives and breathes and said he would put our his spirit within us to walk with us, to guide us, to help us. So it's not just Someone that hears about a birth and someone as a mole. That's why I have said and I believe that when David, when he got up and he heard the giant roaring, send me out a man, let him bring a sword. That's why I've said you cannot let the world define you. Because this is what the world does at this time of the year. The world defines Christmas. We are not going to let the world define Christmas to us because they only will recognize the birth. We are not going to do that. It's so much more than the birth. And so the Bible tells us, and we read this a lot, and and I'm not going to give you any scripture. I'm going to just read them. Here it says, and Adam and Eve, and they heard the voice. We hear that quoted. If you've heard me, you've heard it quoted. And they heard the voice of the Lord. God walking in the cool of the day now Matthew Mark and Luke all go all the way back to the birth of Jesus when they begin their gospel I have said and I believe that John he does not go to the birth he goes to the beginning of the beginning what does he say in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God so what they heard was not just the voice They heard the word of God. So from the very beginning, God was exposing them to the very word of God. They was not just hearing the voice of God. They heard the literal word of God that spoke everything into existence. God was saying, I want you to be exposed to this word that created everything you see and everything you can't see. So he was making that. Now, that was from the very beginning of creation. And then... His brother boys. he read this verse not many weeks ago. But this is what the next stage that God said in Exodus. This is what he said. He said, I, he told uh, Moses, he said, let them make me a sanctuary or a dwelling place that I may dwell among them. At this time in scripture, that's as far as he could go. I want to dwell among my people. I have made, and you make me a dwelling. He, put, he puts an established dwelling place, but I want to dwell among my people. And at this point, that as far as he could go. So God said, you take, you do this. I want to dwell among my people. So God said, I'm gonna take. They go down, they're in Egypt. God said, I'm gonna bring you out of the iron furnace when he does. All of these are types that the schoolmaster says that we have for today. He says they are going to be an established and a Passover. He says you take, you kill the lamb, you put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel, and I look at that as you cover your dwelling with the blood of the lamb. 50 days, that's what Pentecost means, 50. Or literally, the Bible don't record it as 50. It says 50, but what it means in the Bible is seven sevens plus one. That's Pentecost. Fifty days after they put the blood on the doorpost in the lintel, God gave the law to Moses. All right, you go on further. Jesus is born. He's crucified on the Passover. Then fifty days after that is when Pentecost happens. He pours his spirit out on all flesh that we know. Then he takes, and so what I would say is that he takes, and you, and this is the way I would look at it. The Bible says that he took 50 days after, the, after the, the first Passover when he gave the law, I would look at that, me personally, as the establishment of the Jewish nation. That is their birthday. When God gave the law to Moses. The second one it's when he took and poured his spirit out on all flesh. That is the birthday of the church or of the Christian nation. God has promised that. He said he was going to do this, and he did that. So he took, the Bible tells us, and, and then when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they was all in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. Now, God had promised this. He's gonna sin, and I believe he literally opened the windows of heaven, and it was not a breeze. The Bible says it was a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. So he poured his spirit out. We see this happening. So he did this. Now, the Bible tells us what the kids just sang about, and I believe that this was so important that the Bible tells us that she brought first her fourthborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Now, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Remember, when you look up swaddling clothes, if you've ever looked it up, it literally means that the priest would take the lambs that was without blemish, they would wrap them in swaddling bands, that's what it means, strips of cloth, and only them lambs was used in the uh, sacrifice in the temple. So, that would be the sign that the shepherds, God said that would be the sign that they would know when they got there that that would would be looking at the Christ. So the shepherds came when they come. But what what really drew me to this, this day is here's Hannah and the priest even accused her of being drunk and she said, I want a child so bad that I'll give him all the days of his life to the Lord if God would just give me a child. But she said, but I want to keep him till he's weaned. And most of the time that was for the, for the space of two years. So at the space of two years, she got to hold her child. But Mary, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. She conceived and then I believe truly, this is me. I believe truly that the only time that she had that son, and it was literally hers, was from that nine months that the baby was in her womb. Because what would make a mother, other than the Spirit of God and it being prophecy, to take that child and wha- and literally wrap him? In the form of a sacrifice. No mother would do this. No mother would do this. Because when the shepherds came and looked at this child. They knew exactly what they was looking at. They was looking at a human sacrifice. No mother is going to do this. So I believe literally when Jesus was born. And Mary took him. And wrapped him in swaddling bands. That she relinquished. God, right then, she had no more human hold on him. God, and when he got of age, he even told her, I will be about the father's business. But I believe Hannah got to keep Samuel for two years. But I believe that Mary relinquished him right then when she wrapped him as the lamb of God. She literally did. Now, Jesus told, and this is what I literally literally, think, shocked the disciples. When they seen the passion of Jesus in his prayers, they asked him, what do we do when we go pray? And God told them like this, and I'll just read the first portion. After this manner, pray ye, our Father, which is in heaven. Now to us, Father is a term that we are accustomed, we use, we are very comfortable with it. The Jews were not. And we can look at the Old Testament for this as a reference point. Now, I wrote this down, brought it with me. Jew, or father was only referenced. Now, I'm talking from Genesis to Malachi. Father was only referenced in the complete Old Testament only 15 times, 15 times. And this is what's astounding to me. In all the prayers recorded in the Old Testament, father is never addressed as God Or God is never addressed as father, I should say, in no prayer. No prayer at all is God addressed as father. So when Jesus told them, you go in your closet and you address me as father, this is something that they had never heard. You make this personal. You go in your closet and you say father to me. So, But there's only one exception to that. In Isaiah, when God anointed Isaiah to pin the words, one of his names would be the everlasting Father. So, I would look at it like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the everlasting Father. Now, one last thing before I go. Jesus, in his reference to God as Father in just the four gospels, Used it more than 165 times. And in Hebrew, every in the Hebrew, which is written in the Old Testament, every letter in Hebrew has a numerical value. Now, what clears this up for me entirely as a oneness perspective that I believe the Bible is. When you take the word father in Hebrew, when you take the word father, the numerical value of father is zero, one. One. Meaning that this God that they knew that they had learned is one in the Old Testament truly would be born, come as a lamb, die. John told us if we sin, we have an advocate with the father. That meaning the Lamb of God. We have someone that we can go to. God said when life knocks you down and troubles invade you or life is at its peak you shut the door and you address me not as your God but as your Father. Because that one God is our Father. So what is Christmas to us? It is celebrating the man, because that man is our Father. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand as Brother Boyd comes.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic